Bonjour, hi, I'm Pascal Auclair. I hope this talk supports you in your practice. J'espère que cet enseignement vous sera aidant. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button underneath my picture on Dharma Seed. Vous pouvez me soutenir en cliquant sur le bouton sous ma photo. Your support is greatly appreciated. Merci. Yesterday, in uh, one of the groups, we talked about um, uh, dukkha, huh? a Pali word, dukkha, um, that I used in the Pali in the conversation because um, because it's um, it might be hard to translate, and um, and at some point it. Um, makes sense to use that word once you know what it means, you know, like it seems to refer exactly to that. So, um, so I'd like to talk uh, maybe a little bit about this and see where, we'll, where, where we're, we're going to go with this. Um, you'll remember maybe um, the really uh, catchy way that um, Ruth uh, King has to um, talk about the... the what we typically call the three universal characteristics of life when she says, honey, it's not perfect, it's not permanent, and it's not personal. These are, um, like it's put in a kind of a fun and sexy <laughs> way, <laughs> the kind of a complete uh, understanding of reality that the Buddha <laughs> gained, you know. It's very uh, succinct and uh, kind of fun way to to, to describe uh, something that has a lot of depth to it. And so we've talked here about um, the it's not uh, n- not permanent uh, a lot, no. Uh, we've been you know pointing back to um, always to the ephemeral or dynamic nature of what uh, what is happening. Even, you know, when I was talking this morning about the, the four um, foundations of mindfulness, the four where, uh, of where we put, uh, where we're invited to put attention if we want to find inner freedom. In all of these areas, what we'll be looking at really is uh, to the changing nature of this. You know? So if we go in the first kind of chapter, if I call it like this, of the body, what we'll end up noticing, be it sounds, hearing, or breath, or sight, or taste, or sensation, what we're going to be noticing is an event. An event, the event of hearing, the event of tasting, something that has only such a duration. And uh, if we take... um, uh, the second chapter of pleasure, displeasure, if we become really intimate with the experience of pleasure and displeasure, what we're going to see is uh, the ephemeral nature of it. Huh? Something unpleasant will be unpleasant for a while, and then, whoops, suddenly the attention will be caught somewhere else, this thing will pass, and the pleasantness or the unpleasantness will fade uh, in some ways, slowly or abruptly, uh, 
if we look at the third chapter, which is the mind state, same thing we're going to start to discover. One, you know, this universal characteristic of phenomena. You know, some phenomena have specific characteristic, like uh, humor is sometimes funny. <laughs> you know, something blue is blue. Not everything is blue. Huh? Some things are blue, some things are not blue. But everything have the universal characteristic of being impermanent. It passes. And so if we look at mind states, we're going to see impermanence. Huh? We're going to see how rage or frustration arises. And at some point, you know, a decade later, <laughs> hopefully, passes. Or maybe if we're attentive, we'll see a lot more fluctuation within even a few minutes. Uh, and so on. And so uh, we've talked about this, the, uh, uh, the, uh, the ephemerality, the dynamic nature of, of things. Um, actually, when uh, Analayo, when very respected uh, monk, and you can take classes with him online, he's really, really knowledgeable, uh, when Analayo talks about the four foundations, you know, a lot about these... Do you follow me when I talk about this? These four wares of where we put attention? One way that he um, briefly talks about, like a resume at the end, you know, a summary of this, he, uh, he puts it like this. Uh, what are the instructions about the four foundations, about these four uh, things we attend to? KCKC. Keep calmly knowing change. So it brings it down to one. Huh? It goes from four things, which would, could be even more than four, you know, the body, oh, the posture, the activities of the body, the sensations, the pleasure, the displeasure, the mind states, etc. And he says, in the end, if you want to remember just one thing, just keep, keep steady. Calmly, composure, knowing, that's the curiosity, mindfulness factor, keep calmly knowing change. So he's putting this universal characteristic right back at the center of the inquiry, of the path, huh? change. Wow, these Buddhists, they're really hooked on <laughs> anicca, that's the word in Pali, change. Um, and you know one like kind of um, pity that the way to say it expression of this is this uh, none actually several there's a kind of an anthology maybe of um, writings from Buddhist nuns of the time of the Buddha the Terigata I think it's called and you can read their awakening poems it's very beautiful and so one of the poems you'll read, and these kind of particular kind of awakening happens uh, a few times. I think in different poems you'll read similar situation, where uh, this n uh, nun, a monastic, describes all day. I sat and walked and sat and walked and sat. Do you recognize some <laughs> <laughs> reality? 
<laughs> there I sat and walked all day paying attention, close attention, like I was instructed by my uh, teacher. All day, sit, walk, no <coughs> wisdom gained. Do you recognize something? In <laughs> and at night, blowing the candle, everything was understood. Everything passes. So that's one of the universal characteristics, not permanent. Another one is not perfect. If we follow uh, Ruth King's uh, uh, utterance. Uh, And this is uh, referring to dukkha, Dukkha, the incapacity for events. I'll put events instead of things. Things makes them a little solid, huh? like things. Let's change everything into events, huh? just to make them a little bit more dynamic, to give them back their true reality. So if you talk to me about somebody, I'll say, let's call this person an event. Huh? And Udumbara flower, an event in the universe. So, anything that we're going to experience in the world, any event, experience, is going to have the characteristic of being impermanent, ephemeral, but also the characteristic of not being able to satisfy. Uh, in a sustainable way. (laughs) I want my money back. (laughs) So that's what dukkha means, the incapacity to satisfy completely, fully. That's a lot of bad news. (coughs) Is there one thing, (laughs) you know? Apparently not. Um, and so in the constructed things the things that depend on other things to exist so us and the events of our lives the things we encounter we might uh, the things we you know do or buy or you know they come (coughs) together because of causes and conditions they depend on something and so it makes them a little bit unstable and so check if it's true for you if you've um, have you ever kind of uh, put uh, you know uh, enduring satisfaction on something and has it delivered my new hairdo (laughs) that's it I've been looking for it for a few decades I got it now (laughs) I'm joking I'm using this but you know, let's take something more serious, like projecting satisfaction into somebody else. <laughs> oh no, we're going to start swiping on only one direction. Unsatisfying, unsatisfying. <laughs> no, not this one. This one is going to be satisfying. I can see it. <laughs> And then you open the thing, there's a second picture, is that how it works? <laughs> and they're like, oh. 
you were very briefly satisfying. And so, uh, and so here we come actually to check this out a little bit. Is that true that things can't satisfy? And, is it, and it seems like a bad news. And will it be actually really a bad news? You know? The bad news really is somebody who's caught, like many of us are, in wrong view, projecting satisfaction on things that can't provide that. And then being confused and disappointed and stressed out, is it going to provide? I hope it's going to keep providing. And we can uh, try this, uh, you know, the exercise, ex- uh, the, the, the thing to do would be to try it with pretty much anything, you know. So, you know, at work, you've done good work, and somebody said, wow, it's amazing the work you've done, you know. And, you know, it feels great in the moment, and then fear comes, you know. Am I going to be able to keep this going? Or do the other one next there agree with this? They're not talking, you know, etc. You know, so, so there's something. Um, the, the way the Buddha talked about this in his uh, famous, uh, famous teaching on the Four Noble Truths, I know another list. When he talks about dukkha, he says... Uh, you know, being born is not easy. Aging is not easy. Being sick is difficult. Being separated from what we want is difficult. Being cut with what we don't want is difficult. Do you recognize this? Even aging, I always thought, you know, aging, like when you get old, is difficult. But... Um, you know, this summer on holiday, I spent um, a week with um, a friend and uh, her, her child, you know. And I was noticing, wow, being grow- aging, as in going from two to three, or <laughs> is extremely difficult. <laughs> no, it was lovely. I had a wonderful childhood. Really, you know, like the amount of frustration that one faces, you know. <laughs> you know, th- you just want more ice cream, why not? You know? <laughs> but somebody who's tall and, you know, and can open the fridge door, <laughs> says no, you know. It's like, wow, you know, being separated from what we want, I know what you mean, you know. So, often I'll take little example like this, they're very kind of uh, benign, and, you know, it's to talk about all the rest of the what happens, you know, and it's so wide, the difficulties that uh, can be faced uh, in childhood or adolescence or at any time, you know. Uh, so the Buddha tried to name this, and sometimes we divide it in, in different ways, you know. We, we talk about there's a kind of dukkha that is named in this teaching, Dukkha Dukkha. That's the one that you actually don't argue about with anybody. Everybody agrees that it's painful. So when there's pain in the body, when there's afflictive emotions, we all agree that it's it's, uh, difficult. And so that's one kind of Dukkha, Dukkha Dukkha. And there's another kind of Dukkha. uh, And it's the Dukkha of change. 
And that's why we say every nothing can completely satisfy, because then you put in there even what is beautiful, because what is beautiful passes. And so it's not to say that it's not enjoyable, meaningful, rich, uh, worthy of being with, and uh, um, etc. But it's a deep acknowledgement. It's really being very, very realistic about things. To say, even the most beautiful thing has a little pinch, pinch, some, something in it that it can't totally provide because it's passing or might pass, even if it's staying. We might be aware it might pass. Do you recognize this in your bones even? We know this very deeply. You know, it's going well. I hope it keeps going well. You know, even at that moment it can provide because we know it could slip away in some ways, you know. The way somebody sees us. Oh, this person sees me or these people see me like this now. Will they always see me like this? Or... I don't know what else, you know, this thing that you wanted to acquire, you finally get it, a status, letters before or after your names, or something physical, and as soon as you get it, you're like, will somebody take it from me, or scratch it, or, you know, and so... It includes even what is beautiful, and sometimes it uh, it might um, <coughs> you know that's that could be just this years of study has certainly been for me like oh my god dukkha look at this like it's great I love where I am but I'd like also to be somewhere else you know I really want to be here but there's also something else happening it's not like I don't want to be here I might want to be here but dukkha means that in this moment I only have one more. Sometimes the problem is I have only one moi and it's too much. I don't even want that. <laughs> and sometimes I'd like to have two moi. So one, you know, they could both cover all the activities that evening, you know. Or, I mean, it shows up in so many different ways that, um, uh, that we can discover. And in this practice, we're invited to become very kind of aware, but also there's something extremely tenderizing about this. Wow, look at this. Things will escape us. Youth will escape. Intelligence. You know, like you would think it's yours and solid, not mine. You know, being in this seat, I've seen it, I see it all the time. I'm like, I'm going to talk to you about two things. You know, the first one, what is the second one? (laughs) You know, and it is gone, you know. A little thing happened, like cut a few hours of sleep for me. And suddenly, uh, you know, the intelligence is not that vivacious, you know, that agile anymore. And so, um, and so we're invited to start noticing this as it's happening and becoming real about it. Wow. And seeing if we can include that. It's lovely and... I'm noticing that there's a little fear or a little already disappointment that it's going to end, you know, this thing, this moment with you, or, 
you know, that the mind clings already. Oh, let's do this again, let's do this again, we should do this again. It's even so unstable that uh, through perception, you know, like we talked about here, like um, the retreat, for example, somebody today was saying, in May, it looked like a really good idea to come here. You know? So that's how unstable and changing it is and not reliable then, you know? Even the perception, the, things might, the thing might stay there, but our perception switches. The thing is exactly the same thing, but now it's perceived otherwise. I can't see what I saw that was uh, either beautiful or meaningful in this thing. It doesn't provide anymore. So that's a really interesting field of uh, research to see the different uh, manifestations of dukkha. So dukkha-dukkha, the dukkha of change. And then maybe the third kind we could say, if we forgot anything, let's bring it in. (laughs) It's the dukkha of things constructed of other things. And so emotions are made of inner and outer conditions, conditionings. And uh, so anything that we experience is pretty much made of something else, you know, caused by something else. Um, And so it makes it unstable because it takes millions of conditions, millions and millions and millions of conditions for one thing to happen. Uh, Titnat Han explains it expresses this very, very powerfully when, you know, he takes a piece of paper and he says, in this, the entire universe was needed. You needed the Big Bang to have this piece of paper. You needed trees. You needed human technology. You needed everything that led up to now, us being able to see and conceive or name, or you know. So everything like this is tied up with everything else. Yeah? Just when we felt we were separate, separate from life, you know, a little separate from the rest, it was me and the environment. And suddenly we're saying, when we pay attention, we start to see that everything is in the tapestry, you know, it's all part of the tapestry. It's all in there, interrelated, things conditioning other things. Like, we all depend on each other for a retreat to happen. And if there had been one, maybe, little condition, different, something weather-like, something, you know, suddenly we could have received an email, oh, it's not going to be a retreat. It's unstable. And so we might think, ah, well, that's a big problem. We would think that's that's our problem here. Dukkha is our problem. Yet, in the teachings, the Buddha said, the problem is not Dukkha. The problem is the view that it shouldn't be. Oh. But it's right, it shouldn't be. Well, it is. <laughs> and so... We're invited to become aware of, of this. It's called, in Buddhist psychology, it's called clinging. Clinging to the view that it should be permanent, this particular thing. That it should be satisfying. 
that I should be able to keep it, it should be mine, when actually it belongs to the conditions. So that's a very, very uh, important teaching here, the idea of uh, this this mind that is um, confused. Uh, It's confusion, like it's a misunderstanding, or we're hooked on an idea of how things should be, and they're otherwise. And so that's why here, a lot of the practice we do is learn to allow things to be as they are, you know, instead of wanting them to be different. Because the suffering really comes from that. So, in a way, it's a really good news, because it means that suffering is is an inside job to release it. At least there's a big part that can be done right there, you know, changing the view, changing the way we hold things can bring a lot of maybe ease in the mind, if we want to call it like this, freedom, liberation, is something that is a term that is used in this uh, tradition. And so having this view, wrong view of satisfaction, projecting satisfaction, makes us cling. We want to have this. We want to be this. We want to not be this. And it's painful. And so here I think we've seen it in many ways, small ways and big ways. And we've also noticed when there's this letting go, letting go of that view, when suddenly you're like, okay, mouse, do your mouse thing, you know. This morning, was there a mouse or something? (laughs) And at some point, like, hey, this is my retreat. You don't mouse around here during my sitting. (laughs) And it kept... (laughs) And at some point, I could see, oh, here's a clinging, you know? I think it shouldn't be there. Like, I have a belief that it shouldn't be there. And suddenly, I released the belief, and it was fine. Suddenly, it was pretty, pretty pleasant. (laughs) this mouse by the way we were doing really good work because this mouse thought they were alone in this room (laughs) like hey there's 35 of us here (laughs) but this mouse was uh, confused (laughs) they they were perceiving nobody there's nobody here let's have a party um and so the clinging mind is something that we might get really inter- interested in. So what does the mind cling to? It clings to opinions. It clings to pleasure, thinking it should last or wanting it to last. It clings to, um, it clings to um, uh, uh, ways of being, doing things, norms. Have you noticed this? This is not the way we do this. You know? You know, if you've come from another tradition, for example, you've practiced meditation with another teacher, you might come here and say, this is not how we do meditation. There's a little like, activity of clinging going on. You know? like, I, I have a view that like it should be you know, permanent, solid, and, uh, mm-hmm. and perfect in the way that my other teacher's teacher <laughs> does it. And it applies in many ways. You know? Actually, around that theme of norm, 
clinging to norm, there's a, a lot of violence in the world. You know? Just if we think about uh, any of the ism, racism, uh, ageism, ableism, uh, transphobia, you know? People are killed because they other things they, they should wear a dress and they don't or that they shouldn't wear a dress that's really intense and uh, I don't even have the words kind of clinging dangerous extremely dangerous kind of clinging you know it should be my way I should feel comfortable you know, and I feel uncomfortable in front of you, and so you shouldn't exist you know, in this way, at least. And so we've been maybe uh, on the, you know, receiving or harming end of uh, these kinds of clinging, or maybe we've been the perpetrators or the cultivators of these views. And so it's a very important thing to actually check out what I cling to and how I make the world safe or not for others. And another way we cling is we cling to things as I or mine not recognizing in confusion, not recognizing that things are ephemeral, you know, my youth, youth happens <laughs> for a while. My health, health happens, not yours, not mine. Yeah. My intelligence when the conditions are right it's there you change a little bit the conditions and suddenly I become not so intelligent and so uh, that's a way we cling and we get um, we get to suffer when we haven't realized or become aware that things actually happen when the conditions are right and absolutely the conditions will change and this will go. And so knowing this early on can save us a lot of trouble, you know. And what it does also, I think, that I notice in the development of practice is being aware that we can't actually own something completely makes us extremely tender and we start really uh, real if we realize also that it's uh, true for others also that they will lose what is dear to them then we start treating people a little differently and we want to train that remembrance There's different expressions of this, but one that comes to mind now is uh, Shantideva, I think, um, saying, and uh, I'm, I'm going to say it in my own words here, but 
uh, talking of a, about impermanence and the satisfaction <coughs> that comes with it, the incapacity to be satisfied totally, because things won't be made permanent in the way that I want. They'll be a lot more unstable and fluctuating than this. He says, what put me on the path is the insight about death, the, the idea of death, the, 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 the fact of death, of impermanence. That's what made me totally curious suddenly about life, you know, put me on the path. What kept me on the path was the thought, thought, thought of death. And what led me to the end of the path was the thought of death, you know, becoming really aware that things will, you know, uh, like sand in our hands, you know, will escape. You know? And this uh, makes us very, very humble, humble, and that's a good thing. And so there is dukkha, the incapacity to satisfy, and then there is the refusing it, the denying it, the wanting it to be otherwise, and the struggle that comes from that, the insult constantly. And the, that suddenly, the, if I believe in permanence, I might not even be conscious of it. But, you know, just the idea of death becomes a little bit weird and insulting. You know, how? What? To me? This is totally weird. Why would you do that to me? I exist solidly. Well, it shows that there's a wrong view here. If death appears to me like it doesn't make sense or weird, or it means there's something... I haven't understood. And it would make sense that I wouldn't. It's not easy what we're talking about to understand deeply uh, impermanence. And the insight into it we can get by close attention. When we keep seeing, like the nun walking back and forth paying attention, when we keep seeing how things do appear and disappear all the time. You know, you're sitting, suddenly, thing. That has ended. Are you present enough to see the arising of a state of mind and it's vanishing? That requires some quality of presence because most of us don't notice when something leaves. I was so angry, but we didn't notice that it left. Huh? Like we get hooked on the next mind state. And often we don't notice the leaving. So here we slow down and we pay attention. And so these universal characteristics, slowly they get highlighted. When I used to be hooked on the particular characteristics of things, I want this like this, sweet or like that or like this, particular, specific characteristics. I was hooked by this for decades, maybe you too, you know. We want things to be specifically like this. This would feel good. This would feel safe. This would feel uh, meaningful, etc. And here, what we start to do, I don't know if I'm able to transmit this, explain this well, we're starting to focus on the universal characteristics of things. Do you follow me? Not so much that it's to my pleasing or not, but mainly that it passes or is unstable. 
And in this way we come really close to seeing things appear and disappear. And so we do this very important, deep, not easy work of understanding impermanence, uh, the incapacity to satisfy, and death, you know. So I used to think, it's, it's, uh, it's not so anymore, but I used to think I had one solid body. You know, it's my body, it's been my body, it's my body. And you're like, oh no, it's going to get weird now. <laughs> <laughs> and by paying attention, what I'm discovering is that it's not true. It's not true. This body feels like this now, and later, whoops, suddenly it's something that is vertical and moving. Oh, it's a different body. Some days it's achy and tired, and some days it's light and kind of bubbly. And it keeps changing. Sometimes I look at it in the mirror, like, wow, <laughs> that's somebody else's, uh, this or that, you know. And it keeps changing all the time. So when I saw the body as something solid, my body, and I was kind of confused with a, kind of a concept, you know, like a, a, a representation, I took the representation for the, the, the event, and when I look at the event over the years, I'm seeing just a river. There's a river of sensations. It's cold, it's hot, it's tingling, it's pinching, it's throbbing, it's hard, it's uh, soft, it's, uh, you know, it does something here, then it disappears. I remember one of the first kind of insights about this was I was walking on a retreat like this. I, was, I went on a walk on, this, on the street, it was a small street, maybe like the street down here. And it was winter, so there was really big uh, piles of snow. <coughs> so it was even smaller, the street. And there was a big hill, maybe like there would be here. And I was just walking in the street, being very attentive, you know, to bodily sensations, stepping, stepping, walking, air cold, you know, feeling like this. And suddenly it was coming from a distance, it was early in the morning, was coming from a distance, a big yellow school bus. And it was coming down, 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 down. And at some point, it was so overwhelmingly, you know, so close and so fast and so that I was walking and I couldn't feel my legs anymore. There was just like yellow vibration bus, you know, like uh, kind of and, and scared, the scared body. And then the, the bus passed and then the scared body became a little bit less dense and, you know, kind of vibrating or contracting. And then, whoops, the leg, legs reappeared. <laughs> it's like, oh my God, there was no leg. <laughs> legs there for a while. I mean, I'm talking from the... Maybe if you had been outside, you would have said, your legs were there the whole time, Pascal. <laughs> you know? But from the point of view of the experiencer which is what the Buddha seemed to be interested in. I happen to be also interested in that point of view because that's where, from where I experience life, you know? Not from what reality is from the outside of human experience. The whole of the teaching is taught from the inside of a human being. Do you see what I mean? It's an important thing. From the inside of a human being, things are unstable, changing. You know, you're... Loved ones, they're so flickering. You know, they've been in your mind and out of your mind the whole time you've been here. 
they were already flickering the whole time. You know, were you the whole time thinking about the loved ones? No. They appear and disappear. That's in their nature. Yeah. And so everything else. So does your two toes. They just reappeared when I named them. Huh? They were absent from experience. Well, it counts because this is from the point of view of a human being what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about uh, what I would the word in an ontological, would that be the word? Like, it's really there or not? The Buddha, I don't think, cared much about this. He cared about the experience from here because we're sensitive and it's a particular location to be a conscious human being. And so, the more we pay attention, the more we'll see, you know, the flickering nature of self. I'm good, I'm bad. I'm worthy, I'm unworthy. Uh, you know, it's always flickering, the, the changing, unstable. And so realizing this, we can really relax. Oh, that's the momentary view right now. And there might be information in this. But still, it's a appearance, appearances. It appears, and it has the nature also to disappear or change. Nature is flickering, you know. It's there, it's not there. You're even walking, somebody was describing, I was walking in the woods, it was so beautiful, and then I got upset about something. The woods were not available anymore from the point of view of the human, ex- uh, human experience, sir, if I can say. Do you follow me? It's that unstable. You say, oh no, the trees, they last for, you know, hopefully a hundred years, you know. No, they're much more unstable than this. You know, from moment to moment, they appear and vanish in experience. And so, here we're invited to become aware of this. What is actually our experience, truly, as we're here? You know, how many times, did I don't know if it ever happened to you, you get a plate of something, then you eat, and at the last bite, you're like, oh my God! There was a toast at some point here, you know, like, you know, it couldn't be experienced. The mind was, the attention was somewhere else. So the toast, although it was there, was not there, (laughs) you know. And, uh, And we want to become sensitive to this, how views flash by, ideas, emotions... can be extremely uh, liberating. Even when we're in the grip of a strong emotion, we might learn, as we were talking about this morning, to bring the attention somewhere else and get a little respite for a few seconds. And it shows how this something ephemeral also loses some of its... um, some of its power when we see how ephemeral and conditional it is. One time I was experiencing uh, grief, grief, days of grief, and I was on retreat like this, and at some point the bell rang for the meal, and I knew it was pizza. It was so interesting, for one or two seconds, there was no grief. 
There was just pizza. There was just <laughs> greed. And it really shook me. I thought, oh my God, what seems so heavy and enduring actually completely disappeared for a few seconds. It dependent, dependent on, you know, you show it at pizza, <laughs> and for a few seconds it's confused, it disappears. You know, like if you say, like, the whole time I've been here, I've been in that mood, I don't think it's actually true. I think there was moments where suddenly there was something else, you know? An opinion was, at, you know, the middle of, in the middle of the thing, you know? Suddenly there was just, like, I don't know, looking for, to put more hot water, you know? And in that moment, this was the experience. <coughs> The Buddha seems to teach that it's possible for the mind to not cling. It's actually an expression of uh, freedom, nirvana. What is nirvana? The end of clinging. The end of greed, hatred, and delusion. Greed is the wrong view of thinking that something will be satisfying. So I'm greedy, I need this absolutely because it's going to satisfy. If I know it can't satisfy, I can't experience greed. I'm released from that grip inside, you know. And so here, this is what we're studying. We're studying how the mind makes trouble with what is happening. How the mind wants something else to be happening. Or wants to keep, or wants to own something, you know, and doesn't recognize the passing nature, the conditional nature of what is there. And please do not believe me, that's extremely important. This is um, presented as uh, research uh, hypothesis, you know. This is really how the teachings are always given. Go check this out for yourself. Is that true? Are there nuances that were not uh, there? Um, and this is another frame of reference. That's another kind of lens we can put on, you know. The lens of dukkha. Let me see when it appears uh, more clearly to me. Or is there clinging or not here? You know, that's the way we start to live our life to say, oh, the mind is hooked here on this idea, you know, on this opinion. It's really uh, clenching on it, you know. And we can maybe learn how to, by tender, honest, uh, curious attention, release some of the, some of the clinging that is happening. I hope some of this 
make sense to you, even if there was just one little bit here that was intriguing enough to go and check it out. You know? For a number of years, ten years, I, I had a partner, uh, uh, and uh, we practiced together. And uh, you know, th- th- these characteristics, with their words in Pali, uh, Anthony was a good friend. Now, uh, he had a way to actually make us aware of, of them with a slight playfulness. That you know, when something was turning a little sour, not as we expected, or this or that, he would say, Dukkha, Dukkha. (laughs) He would just like put it there, and it was really inviting, you know, like the whole system to relax. Okay, of course, it didn't go as we wanted, you know. Or he would say, I think maybe imitating a little bit Goenka. He would say, Anicca, which is the word for impermanent. And you know, is that going coast sings it? Anicca, impermanence, everything rising, falling. <coughs> and so, and I thought it was very, very um, skillful. You know, he would, he was good. You know, he would just like say, Dukkha. I was like, oh, okay. Like, mm-hmm. just when I thought something was wrong, everything actually is right. <laughs> it's not working out. You know? But that's the clinging. The mind would be like, no, this is not supposed to happen. Dukkha. Oh yeah. <laughs> Things are conditional, and now we haven't got the, all the conditions together, so it's it's not working out. It's not happening. Oh, that's what's happening. And actually, I, I remember for me, the first time I heard this, one of the benefits of this was that it was um, the taste of, the particular taste of freedom that came with this was that one of the wrong views that I had was that often it was my fault if it didn't work. You know? Like, like I did something wrong, it's my fault if it doesn't work. You know? Or I would blame somebody else, it's somebody else's fault. But there was a tendency to think that if I had done everything right, it would have happened, you know. And and this kind of wrong view was removed with this teaching. Oh, oh. You know, it's 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 part of it that we can't do things perfectly, and that things, uh, for a reason of an, or another, don't last or don't uh, don't deliver or break or you know all these things. And it's uh, and it has a real taste of freedom to not blame oneself anymore, because you know this is not happening like this. Voila! That's the best I can do with this today. <laughs> so let's just take a moment here to notice. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.
In the practice we say that movement hides dukkha. A lot of the movements we do in our lives is to uh, relief, release, 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 alleviate <coughs> dukkha. We drink, because we otherwise there would be the dukkha of thirst. We eat to not feel hunger. We move on the chair to not feel the pain. We go to work to get some money to be able to take care of uh, avoid the, all the kinds of dukkhas that would come from having no roof, no clothes. So a lot of the movements we do, we wash so we don't start smelling dukkha. And so, and then we come to practice here and we, and we stop moving. So it says dukkha can be revealed when we stop moving a little bit. The dukkha of having a body Hormones, tendons, bones, muscles. Even the dukkha of having a mind might be revealed here. It's slightly unstable. Attention easily caught here and there. we get to experience the absence of clinging and the mind doesn't cling to things being a certain way but meet meets what is there just as it is imperfect impermanent not exactly totally mine quietness we can uh, maybe start to notice what we call the body is actually a river of sensations a river of events what we call hands for example might not be just a solid thing but more like a field of tingling an area of heat sometime, or cold. An experience sometimes of hardness, sometimes of spaciousness. Sometimes an experience of rest, or ache. compared uh, the body to foam by the side of the ocean, changing form with every va- uh, waves, empty bubbles.
May our hearts become uh, tender and contactive. Impermanence and dukkha. May care and compassion arise as a wise response. Thank you for your consideration. Thank you. There's an ephemeral, completely satisfying meal coming. Enjoy. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.